everybody. It's your old pal Ben Reiser here with my co-host uh, Mike McPadden. I am um, I, I, I theoretically work at the University of Wisconsin Madison, although as of late there hasn't been much to do as I'm involved. Uh, primarily with film exhibition via UW Cinematheque and the Wisconsin Film Festival. And uh, as I speak to you, there is no such thing as uh, public film exhibition. Uh, uh, other than drive-ins, I, I have been thinking that we could start doing some outdoor screening. So, I don't know, maybe that's something that we'll figure out in August. But anyway, across the podcast aisle from me is... Uh, Mike McPadden, the author of a book that started life as teen sex comedies, <laughs> then became teen movie hell eventually, as well as heavy metal movies. So so anyway, these little mini episodes are what we're going to uh, allow ourselves to do on the weeks that we don't actually force ourselves to watch a specific movie or two. Uh, but we still feel like staying in touch with each other and staying in touch with you, the listener. And so it's going to be a little bit more freewheeling, a little bit more off the cuff. You know, our other episodes you can tell are very heavily scripted and we stick to a real (laughs) (laughs) uh, outline. But uh, one thing that happened with me over this last week, uh, I also told Mike, don't worry about it. I, I got this episode covered. So Mike, if you don't have anything to contribute other than what I force you to answer in these sections that's fine on the other hand if you got your own stuff that's great too but i drove to maryland to um um from wisconsin where i am to get my uh daughter back to the college that she just uh, finished her freshman year at she needed to pack up all the stuff in her dorm room that she'd left when she escaped in a hurry at the beginning of this pandemic so my wife and my daughter and i drove to maryland it was about an 11 hour car ride we did it in two days uh we left my son jack and our dog remy here in madison to hold down the fort um but while i was on the road trip i had plenty of time behind the wheel to sort of think about uh stupid ideas i came up with a bunch of dopey podcast ideas that i'm going to pitch to you and honestly most most of these don't go much further than like oh wouldn't it be funny if we did this and then that was about that um uh, but okay, so here's here's my first idea for a podcast. Uh, we call it uh, uh, Ouvra versus Ouvra, or Ouvra versus Ouvra, however you say that in French, uh, or, or Franchise versus Franchise. And so we would, uh, each season of the podcast would be about um, um, comparing uh, one body of work to another body of work. And, and, <laughs> and this was... Um, uh, th- in my head, this was a way for me. This was a, this was a way to force myself to pro- perhaps watch stuff that I've never watched and can't imagine watching. But thought, well, okay, if we we're going to do it for a show, so I thought maybe the first season of this thing would be Ernest movies versus Medea movies. Oh, hey, okay, yes. <laughs> so I, I thought you were going to say like real high con, like Ernest movies versus Ernst Lubitsch movies. Well, okay, that's 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 clever because I did think there should be sort of a highbrow season of yeah. where it's like Godard versus Fellini or some shit like that, you yeah. know, which is honestly equally yeah. like daunting for me to think about watching. Like maybe Bergman versus Fellini, like I would that that. That right. gives me the same feeling in my stomach as, as watching all the <laughs> Ernest movies versus all the Medea movies. Uh, have you seen, I'm, I'm going to say, having yes. not talked about this with you, that you have seen maybe more Ernest movies than you've seen Tyler Perry, Perry movies. If I had I'm to guess. Say, I'm going to say strangely you're wrong. Because, wow. uh, yes. Because, I saw the yeah. very first Ernest movie. I saw Ernest Goes to Camp mm-hmm. uh, during an epic day of theater hopping in Bay Ridge. It was the last movie of the day. I saw on this day in 1987, uh, Lethal Weapon, Tin Men, uh, a, a crazy movie called Enemy Territory with Ray Parker Jr., Blind Date. <laughs> with Ray Parker Jr., wait a minute. Uh, that, I need, yeah, I yeah a it was, it's an amazing, uh, it's a gang movie. Now, where was and, this? Uh, Were you in New York? This was at the Alpine uh, Seven Plex. Oh, wow. Okay. And this was right after we had my family had moved to Bay Ridge. Okay. And then finally, uh, the last one was uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. But now this is 1987, okay. right? Yes. Yeah. So I knew you. Yeah. 
But this was just like one day, like after school got out, okay. like that May or June. Okay. And uh, I just decided to go to the movies and I just kept going. I didn't go home. Can I tell you now? So. Wait a second. Name it was Ernest Goes to Camp, uh, uh, the, the, the Ray Parker Jr. movie, Tin Men. Enemy Territory. And, right. Yes. Tin Men. What else? Blind Date with uh, Bruce yeah. Willis and Kim Basinger uh-huh. and Lethal Weapon. And the original Lethal Weapon. Original Lethal Weapon was what initially got what got me in. Can I tell you, I haven't seen Enemy Territory. And I'm not right. sure if I've seen Ernest Goes to Camp, but out of those other movies, the film that I think is the worst is The Tin Men. You're kidding. <laughs> no, I hate wow. that fucking movie. That was the I'm beginning of the end for Barry Levinson with me. Yeah. I, uh, wow. I uh, I rather enjoyed it. I don't know that I've seen it since then. Yeah, I I wanted uh, to like it. I really. And then uh, I saw um, Ernest uh, Scared Stupid when I was I, uh, for a while. I worked with uh, kids at IS eighty eight, and uh, we watched that once at Halloween. Now Tyler Perry, the Medea movies. Now, by the way, let me tell I you, there are nine Ernest yeah. movies. Wow. So I saw two. Yeah. Ernest Goes to Camp is 87. Ernest Saves Christmas in 88. Ernest Goes to Jail in 1990. Ernest Scared Stupid in 91. Ernest Rides Again in 93. Yeah. And then they become direct to video. Ernest Goes right. to School in 94. Slam Dunk Ernest in 95. Ernest Goes to Africa, which I saw a couple minutes of on Prime because that seemed to be the only one that was readily available to me this week. Uh, and then finally, Ernest in the Army in 1998. Wow, wait. Uh, but then, so, you know, my friend uh, Springo, Mike Spring yeah. from Purchase, he, uh, you know, he's a, he's a very colorful character, but he watched, like, he was just, he's always been watching the Medea movies and reporting on them to me. So at one point, I just decided he, I'm going to watch Has he been going these. to them in theaters or he waits till they? No, no, okay. no. But I went with uh, my friend Scott and I, we rented uh, Boo, a Medea Halloween. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found it hilarious. Like, we really, like, we're just dying watching it. So then we saw the next two. We saw Boo 2 right. and a Medea funeral. Right, a Medea family funeral. At the drive-in. At- we saw both of those at the drive-in. Uh, on, a, on a single night? Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> two, when they Like, opening night. Wow. When they came out, so... Okay, but you haven't seen. I'm going to run through. There's there's more Medea movies yeah. than there are Ernest movies, which is kind of amazing to me, I guess, because I also think that these these are only the Medea movies, and I believe that there's an, another at least handful of Tyler Perry movies that don't feature Medea. Am I right about that? Right. Yes, and there's like Medea stage shows yes. on video. <laughs> yes, but I've got <laughs> I've got listed here Diary of a Mad Black Woman. That was apparently right. the first Medea starring movie or something Medea's Family Reunion in 2006 Meet the Browns oh that's only a cameo in 2008 uh, Medea Goes to Jail see we have to watch Ernest Goes to Jail and Medea Goes to Jail <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, that's 2009 then I Can Do Bad All By Myself in 2009 again maybe uh, now I'll tell you about that yeah, one what's that that has the poster for that is a recreation of the Straw Dogs poster <laughs> With the, the shattered eyeglasses. And I saw that in the theater, and I kept, like, I was calling people over, like, what the hell is this? Yeah. There was the prospect that it was a Medea take on Sam Peckinpah. Do you know that, that, that is what it is? I, I, I researched it and found that it is okay. not. Oh, no, no, but it is. I mean, whatever it is, that's the poster. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, but not connected to the film. <laughs> wow. Content. Uh, I wonder if Tyler Perry was aware of of that of that concept, like that that whoever designed the poster was was doing that. Do an homage? I don't. I can't imagine. Uh, Medea's Big Happy Family in 2011. Medea's Witness Protection in 2012. Oh, I saw that because that's the one with Eugene Levy. Oh, okay. I watched that on TBS. Forgot about that. Uh, a Medea Christmas in 2013. And then the three that you saw, Boo, Boo Two, and a Medea yeah. family funeral. So anyway, that yes. was that's my fr- that's my idea for season one of of Uvra uh, versus Uvra. Yeah. Um, another idea for this for another season of this would be this is a little a little little 
dicier here. It's Bronson versus Seagal, 88 to 98. So it's only examining the movies of Charles Bronson and Steven <laughs> Seagal from 1998, uh, 1988 to 1998. So for Seagal, we've got Above the Law in 88, then Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Out for Justice, Under Siege, On Deadly Ground, Under Siege 2, Executive decision. Remember that one where he's like as a cameo. He's only yeah. in it for a little it's while. Yeah. That's his best one. Um, although, what a stupid <laughs> title! I can't believe that I even remembered what that movie yeah. was based on that title. Uh, the Glimmer Man, uh, Fire Down Below, and in 1998 he had uh, The Patriot. I have seen each one of them. That's, I think I have too. Amazingly, uh, I don't know and if I, I've seen I The Patriot love... actually. Hmm. I saw the Patriot and I don't remember, but I know I watched it and I just decided he was over. Now here, I, I want uh, somebody. I love those first four so much. I love them. Yeah, th- this list that I have also has his character name for each one of those movies, which I would love. I, right. I want to find the person okay. who knows uh, those. Ca- the first one. Oh fuck, Nino? No, actually, I don't. He's Nino. Yeah, that's the one that I don't have on this list. Above the law, that's the only one I don't have oh, the really? character name for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but which one is he Nino in? I think that might be above the that line. That might be out for justice. Not that might of, be it, Nino. Yeah, because... Was Casey Ryback in uh, Under Siege? Yes. And Under Siege Yes. Two. You're right. Oh, my God. Uh, and that's it. That's all I can come okay, up with. Okay, in Hard to Kill, he was Mason Storm. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. In Marked for Death, he's John Hatcher. Um, that was my favorite one. That's such a nothing name. Now, wait a second. Maybe you're thinking of Out for Justice. His name is Gino Fellino. Gino. That's it. Gino. Gino. Out for Justice. Gino uh, Fellino. And in our half hour therapy session before uh, we, I, I started yeah. recording today, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned our friend Alan Broadman. Yeah. Uh-oh. And uh, you're dragging he and I him back watched. In, huh? He was almost well, off the he hook. And I, and he's back <laughs> <in>. <laughs> but we watched them filming. Um, out for justice uh, in Bay Ridge. Wow! And we saw Steven Seagal. He was, he, you know, and this was like right before he got fat and everything. He was like seven feet tall. And yeah, we were very impressed. They were shooting at a little Korean deli on Third Avenue. Hey, did you? And then did you? Did you see the scene that they shot when you watched the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. It's when he goes in to buy uh, dog food for the puppy he found. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. The puppy he rescued from an abuser. Right. So in On Deadly Ground, he was Forrest Taft. Now that's the Eskimo one. That's the Billy Joe, the Billy Jack yeah. one. He has the trip. I remember that yeah. one. Uh, in executive decision, he's Lieutenant Colonel Austin Travis. That's a good name. Wow, Austin that's a Travis. Name. Uh, in Glimmer Man, he's Jack Cole. And that was really the first one where I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> we're wrapping up here." Yeah, yeah. That's the first that's one. The where, Damon Wayans. It's the one. first one where it didn't seem like he could actually function as an action hero like he wasn't yeah, he, able yeah, to yeah he was having trouble moving <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i saw a very i saw like one from like the last year or so and it was amazing to me how little moving he does now in these movies oh yeah like they literally just like prop him up against something <laughs> i don't know what yeah. he and he sort of shrugs his shoulder and that's how he's fighting with people um in fire down below he was jack taggart and in the that i remember being a good movie I enjoyed that. Yeah, remind me what happens in that one. It was the he uh, he plays guitar? Oh. He goes down south. It was like a toxic yeah, waste yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, I saw that on the NBC <laughs> Sunday Night <laughs> wow. Movie. Wow, and it was I, I thought this was pretty yeah. good. And then in uh, the Patriot, he's Doctor Wesley McLaren. Hmm. Yeah, I don't re- and I don't remember that at all. But I remember renting it and not caring. Okay, so, so Bronson, now 88 to me, like that's where it ends. Well, but you're wrong see. about let's that, you though, because now Death Wish 4 might be 87, but I put that on here just for the hell of that's it. That's the crackdown at 87. Now, so, by yeah, the way, that was the pit. I'm going to stop us right here, because one one thing that yeah. I did this week when I was in Maryland, I was at one of those, you know, sometimes there are these cool hotels now that have TVs where you can log on to your own Amazon and your, oh, your yeah, own yeah, Netflix, and they give you Showtime for free. So I was just having a ball. So probably because of two things, uh, one that I've been uh, for the last month or two been watching Jay Lee Thompson movies uh, because of us talking about Conquest, The Planet yeah. of the Apes, and, and at Cinematheque we showed um, Ice, Ice Cold and Alex, and Jim Healy and I had a long podcast conversation about Jay Lee's career. 
So I had never seen uh, Death Wish 4. So I, I, I discovered that Prime now, I think, has all the Death Wish movies available for oh, free. Shit. Oh. So I watched Death Wish 4. And also because you guys on Crackbot had just talked about, um, what's his name? Uh, Michael Parks being in um, Death Wish 5, Death which Wish I 5. hadn't realized yeah. was the case. And I love Michael Parks. Um, talk about Talk about a movie that gets stolen... Uh, he arrives after like five and a half hours of Kill Bill, and he has that one scene. I guess he plays two characters yeah. in Kill Bill, but the one towards the end where Uma Thurman runs into him, and and he he points yeah. her in the right direction to go find Bill. He is so creepy in that scene and so great. He practically steals the entire six hours with just just that one scene. Anyway, and then you were talking about how funny he is in Death Wish Five. Uh, he's talking about cannolis and he's holding his cursey. Yeah, cursey. His yeah, pinky. His pinky yeah. So I watched Death Wish 4 and Death Wish 5 this past weekend. Um, and I have to say that, yes, Death Wish 5 is, is, is very good and crazy. But I also like Death Wish 4. You thought it was, you think it's like the most boring, and maybe it is. Um, you know, I mean, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater with Mike Spring. You know, it's, um, it's a uh, it's like a remake of Yojimbo and uh, Fistful of Dollars. It's that same thing where he oh, like really? it's like oh. these two rival mafia gangs, and he's he arrives and like makes them kill oh, each other. That's yeah. It's actually I not bad. I mean, yeah. it's terrible terrible performances. Like, and it looks like it cost a nickel. Like, it looks like it cost yeah. literally five cents. It's the cheapest of all of them. But I also I think it's fine. It's fun. It's got that Jay Lee sort of competence to the actual yeah. filmmaking, um, and Bronson is like relatively engaged. I mean, there's a series that I never had. I had only ever seen one and two, and was not a fan of either one of them. Um, and then a couple of years ago, we showed three um, because three really levels right, it up. Right. Yeah, right. That's one of those things where. And this is something I'm interested in. I, there are all, there are all these franchises that like start off relatively straightforward and this happens with tv series too and then at a certain point somebody just flips the switch and they're just like ah fuck it we're just gonna go crazy and certainly they do that (laughs) in death wish three and then death wish four and five certainly continue in the insanity uh but are there any examples of the opposite of like a series or like a film series that that got serious as it went along that started off insane and then toned it down as it as it goes wow that's a that's a that's a real head scratcher. Uh, <laughs> right. So I gotta, it, we got to meditate on that. Here's one. the other thing that I finally think I understood after watching the last two death wishes is that yeah. the title death wish must refer to any woman that connects themselves with Charles Bronson <laughs> <laughs> with Kersey. Yeah, yeah. Cause the only thing that happens with Kersey with Paul Kersey's women yeah. is they, you can be sure that they're going to be dead by the end of the movie. Like, yeah, not only is it, right, yeah. not only is that has got to be who's got the death wish in these movies is these women. <laughs> but how does how I, I, they also, you know, it's not like they really continue a story at all. You know, he, he no. they, there's almost no connection between his character and, and, and where he is from movie to movie. But you would think that the one thing about Paul Kersey, it would be that he realizes he's bad luck for women. <laughs> and that the one thing he should be doing is keeping them in his sights the whole time and not leaving them. He's always leaving them on their own at the worst possible moment. Like he's yeah. always like, you're on your own. Now you go run and hide somewhere while I take care of this. Like you asshole, you know, she's going to die. What's the matter with yeah. you? Anyway, that's my death wish rant. Uh, All right. So death wish four, which I think might be 87, but then messenger of death, yeah. uh, which is another J Lee Thompson movie in 88. Kinjite. Is that where he, he like goes to the Amish or something? Oh yes. I'm sorry. I saw that movie a month yeah. ago. That's the that's that's where he plays he's not a he's a reporter, I think. Yeah. He's yeah. something. He's not he he barely has any but there's a that's a real creepy movie where like these people it's like they, they do all the serial killing, but it's a cover up for something else. You know, it's right. it's kinda like that blowout scenario. Um Yeah, yeah. Anyway, then Kinjite, Forbidden Subjects. Okay. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> yeah. Which is also J. Lee Thompson, by the way. 
And I forgot that that was 89, right? Yeah. That was late. Yeah. Now, then he's in the Indian Runner, the Sean Penn movie, which I... The Sean Penn movie. I, I forgot that he was in that. Then he's in, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Oh, the TV movie, I guess right? so. Yeah. What does he do yeah, in that? Yeah. Is he Santa Claus? He's the editor of The Sun, oh. of the New York okay. Sun. Uh, then he's in, in 1993, The Sea Wolf. I don't know it at all. Uh, also in 93, Donato and Daughter, where he plays Sergeant Mike Donato. Okay, yeah. But then he was, yeah, because then he had a, a TV series, A Family of Cops. Oh, is that a that TV series? Of that. I thought those were actual movies. Well, Family movies. of Cops. Family of Cops might, you know what? It might have been a series of movies. Yeah. Because, okay, then in 94, he does Death Wish 5. Then in 95, right. is Family of Cops, directed by Ted Kotcheff. Then in right. 97, Family of Cops 2. And in 1999, which I'm also including on this thing, Family of Cops 3. So you've never seen any of the Family of Cops movies? I never saw any of them, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So that would be Bronson versus Seagal. Uh, yeah. I also thought we could well, do... Uh, well, you like that idea? <laughs> I do, of course. But, uh, you know, to me, the Seagal-Van Damme rivalry was very interesting uh, hmm. in the first part of the okay. 90s. Because it really was like one for one. It was like, you know, um, and at one point... They had like their career highs for me artistically with uh, Van Damme did Death Warrant where he goes to jail with uh, Robert Guillaume and uh, Seagal did Marked for Death with Screwface, the Jamaican uh, drug lord. All right. That seems that seems like that should be an episode of something. Maybe Crackpot. Yeah, we got to do something with that. Yeah. Um, And I also thought we could I thought another idea for this thing would be James Bond versus Fast and Furious. So like the first eight. James Bond movies versus the first eight Fast and Furious franchises. No, I'm a, I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan, believe it or not. Oh, I am too. Well, starting with it. like number four, yeah. I don't like the I don't like the. Well, that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, I thought the first one was awesome, and then the second one, like, I kind of didn't care. The third one, Tokyo Drift, was bad. Mm-hmm. Then it was like the greatest movies you could go see in the theater for a while. I'm right there with you, except I don't like the first one either. I uh, was pleasantly surprised by the first one. And in one. fact, the first one, I hated the first one so much that it took me a long time to get back into, you know, it was I think it was, I think six might have been in theaters by the time I finally was like, oh, okay, everyone keeps talking about how the last couple of these have been good, I guess I should watch them, and I was like, whoa, these are fantastic. Although... And then I think six, six was the one where they were dragging that safe I think the that's streets. five. That was awesome. That was amazing. And I think six is the one that has the endless airport runway at the end where they're fighting on a plane and the fucking thing just keeps going right. for like 15 minutes down a, down a runway. Yeah. Um, and I did not love Hobbs and Shaw, no. but it was, it was okay. It was a little more no. so. You know, no, no, no. Bit. It's no good. Much like this mini episode. Okay, that's like why, yeah. that's, that's, exactly, that's why yeah. we're calling yeah, this. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're calling so many Now, Hobbs and Shaw is not good, even though it was written by I the same guy. I was disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, although I watched it a second time, as as I'm wont to do, and I thought, okay, maybe yeah. this isn't terrible. I was really bummed out when I saw it in the theater the first time, though. I was like, man, they fucking blew it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have uh, our uh, fake nephew, Owen, who's 10, who's a friend of ours. Uh, we have a kid that hangs out with us a lot, and that's, mm-hmm. that's one of our rituals is the Fast and Furious movies. We go see them in 3D. Oh, yeah. We used to go to the, uh, we used to go see them at the drive-in, but then... The driving closed, so... Right. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and then I also thought maybe at some point we could do Halloween movies versus Phantasm movies. <laughs> yeah. I know that's not the right... It, much like you're saying with um, Van Damme versus um, Seagal is, is a much more logical thing than than yeah. Seagal versus Bronson. I just happen to be on a late period Bronson. Do you want to watch any days. horror movies at this point? No, I really like, don't. <laughs> Although I did watch Phantasm. No. You know, they, there's like a Phantasm remastered that's on Prime or some shit now. Shudder or something. I yeah. don't know. I did watch that. But no. No, I'm not into horror Is movies. Is that a new Phantasm movie? No, it's 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 they uh, they went back and they... they they got the they grabbed the negative from Phantasm and oh, did okay. like a four K yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking and they did something with the soundtrack and it looks. Did beautiful. you ever read the Vincent Canby review of Phantasm? I'm sure I must have at the time. It's great. He loved it, huh. and uh, he he uh, he described it very accurately and lovingly and in the 
probably describing the experience that you and I had when we first saw it. And he said, it's like a ghost story made up on the spot by a very imaginative eight-year-old. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly right. But, I, you know, watching it this week, I realized, well, one, uh, it certainly seems to be a huge influence on Knight Rider on that TV show. <laughs> because there's the one guy who's driving around <laughs> in that car the whole time looks exactly like, what's his name, Hasselhoff. Michael Knight. Oh, my, yeah. yeah, Michael Knight. And then I also thought... Huh, this seems like it's also a pretty big influence on on that Toby Hooper version of Salem's Lot, which um, started, and I looked it up, I was like, wait, was it, was the timing right for this? And yeah, Phantasm came out in June of 79, and Salem's Lot started shooting in July of 79, and then aired in November of 79, so. Well, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, Now, that would be interesting, to do, like, the unknown influences. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That would be great. And uh, yeah, you know, I you, you're good at sniffing that kind of stuff out. You were somebody who could always hear a song on the radio and identify other songs it was ripping off. Okay, so speaking of that, here's my next podcast pitch. Yeah. And if and if any of these are actually good, we'll just cut it out, and we don't want anyone to steal it. So, <laughs> right. but I'm sure that's already been done. I'm sure this whole franchise versus franchise is probably there's probably ten podcasts that are doing that as we speak. Um, but here's my other idea for podcasts would be, and, and again, this was just a one, this, this, this song came on the radio and I thought, oh, Mike would probably think this. That's like, okay, wait, it's a podcast. So this, the name of this podcast is if this movie were a song, it would be blank. Okay. I <laughs> and, love that. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know where, you know, I don't know how we, how far we possibly could go with it, but, but the, what happened was, uh, ELO's Rock and Roll is King came on the radio. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, this is this song is what Mike thinks about Fury Road, which is that here's a song <laughs> here's a song written by somebody who has written good stuff and like classic stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Lynn. And he's this song is sort of like his its heart is, I guess, in the right place. Like he's sort of saying the right things. It sort of sounds like a song that's paying tribute to rock and roll sort of should sound. But it's so fucking phony. It's covered with this veneer of I guess it really wasn't digital, but shit that like, you know, what 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 the digital age was influenced by was like this late period ELO shit. That, I, that song you're is right. so I mean, Because stupid. it's a sound like. It's like real gloppy. It's like David Foster, that producer, like <laughs> yes, became the master right. of that. Yeah. Well, or Jeff Lynne like, did it just, too. Really. Seemed, yeah, yeah. But if you think, yeah, taking taking the cue from Jeff, well, you can like like you want to get like a squeegee and wipe the sheen off of the song. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got like you know, there's things in that song that sort of sound like laser blast. It's sort of like yeah, rock and yeah. roll by way of like Star Wars sequels. You know, it's like or, right. or like Buck Rogers or something. You know, which I guess was ELO's thing all the time. I mean, even though it was pre Star Wars, but it was always that dopey right. spaceship. The and spaceship. they were always you got like, a cardboard spaceship yes. in the record. Yeah. Right, and they were bringing in orchestrations into rock and yeah. roll you know they were he was influenced yeah. by like late period Beatles stuff but somehow right. those early ELO albums still managed to work and be like a real thing you know I know that for you those oh hell yes those, yeah those, I love them the, yeah. the real Road Warrior movies are like you know Mad Max and Road Warrior those are great movies for you and then, yeah. then George Miller comes along and fucks it all up for you with <laughs> see now I could I could say my equivalent to this it wouldn't be a song but you know, I love the band Pussy Galore, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and then the John Spencer right. Blues Explosion <laughs> right. sounded like the fake yeah. version of Pussy Galore. Yeah. Well, it was like you love Tracy Lord's Ex Lovers, and then All About Chad right. was, the, <laughs> was the fucked well, up version. But that, but I don't think there was a lack of sincerity there. I was mad at you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't hear the music. Yeah. So it's okay. You and me both, brother. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's another podcast idea. This is called Despicable Cinema. In each episode, we examine a piece of truly despicable cinema, something that transcends taste and is just so ill-conceived, wrong-headed, and offensive on every level. We try to figure out how things went so wrong, what makes it irredeemable, and what would have to be changed to make it something worth salvaging. Okay, and the only reason I came up with all of this is because I bumped mm-hmm. into a movie I'd never seen, but remembered... From the time, like hearing that this is the 
most despicable pile of shit. I can't believe this movie got made. You know, not like not like Mother's Day. It's not like some like underground thing made yeah. by like wacko wackadoodles. Um, it's Gordon Willis's Windows. Sure. Yeah, Have yeah, you seen yeah. this fucking Which I've never thing? seen. No, oh, no, I haven't. No. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You should okay, I'll do watch yourself it. a yeah. favor and watch the first 10 minutes of it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to like make you guess what, what movie starring Talia Shire offended me so much that I couldn't even believe it. Um, and I realized that, that I would have like, guessed old boyfriends. <laughs> exactly. Which is a movie we actually showed to Cinematheque last year. We got a, there's like a I've new, never seen it. I'm looking th- forward to it. It's coming out on uh, Blu-ray. Right, right. That's, we got that restoration. Um, yeah. Interesting movie. Uh, but, but windows. Wow. The woo. Wow. And this is a lesbian like thriller. Of some sort. Written by John Carpenter, is it not? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. God, no. Uh, I don't think so. No, 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 no. I like this idea, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we take a movie that we really can't even appreciate on its own terms and try right. to figure out how to make it good or what is it. And I'll tell you, well, you should watch. I will watch, watch it for Windows sure. In a yeah. way, I got Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that. That'll be great. Uh, okay. So I think these are all great ideas. Uh, and, and I don't think we have to do seasons, but I, I mean, I think these could be self-contained episodes yeah. of our mini podcast. Okay, yeah. good. That's a good idea. Then we can do yeah. this thing, which is speaking of Gordon Willis, who only ever made that one movie. And speaking of Dom DeLuise, who we talked about last week on the show, yeah. we do one and done. We only talk about movies that were made by somebody who never made another movie. And of course, there's a lot of those, but I, I, I looked at a list today and I'm like, wow, there's an amazing amount of movies made by actors or other people who have a name, who you know made a name for themselves right. in the entertainment industry, just not as directors, and they made this one movie. Um, I haven't heard of some of these before today. So right. Dom DeLuise, Hot Stuff, Anne Bancroft, Fatso, Gordon Willis, Window. Gordon Willis, famous cinematographer, decided right. to make this movie Windows, and I want you to watch it before we talk about it anymore. Uh, a movie that I watched for work last week, Peter Sellers' movie, um, Mr. Topaz. Mr. Topaz, have you seen this? I've never seen it, but I know the movie, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're showing it, I think we're showing it at uh, online with Cinematech next week, so you, I'll give you an opportunity okay, I'll watch to it check then. it out. Yeah. A movie that I, we did show a couple of years ago at Cinematech, Peter Lorre's The Lost One. Have you seen that? Never saw it. Amazing no. movie. Obviously, the one that everyone always brings up as like the ultimate is Charles Lawton's Night of the Hunter. Right. right. But did you know that James Cagney made a movie? No idea. No. In 1957 called Shortcut to Hell. I would love to see this. <laughs> That's a great name. Did you know that Walter Matthau directed a movie? No idea. No. In 1960, Gangster Story, directed by Walter wow. Matthau. Wow. I know. Those were the two that I was like, what the hell? Then uh, of course Marlon Brando did One Eyed Jacks. One Eyed Jacks, yeah. Uh, now this is not in the. This next one is not somebody who made a name for themselves otherwise, but Herc Harvey's Carnival of Souls. Sure. And so I think what would be fun about these things is to find is to try to do some research and figure out how did they wind up making a movie and why did they never make another one. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, did you know that Frank Sinatra directed a movie? I didn't know. I had no idea. None but the brave, which I've heard of, but didn't. I thought I've think heard I of that, but yeah, I didn't realize he directed it. And did you know that Roddy McDowell directed a movie? No, the Ballad of Tam Lin, nineteen seventy. I've never heard Duff. of it. No, no, no clue. Did you know that the the director of Koch, starring Walter Matthau, is right. Jack Lemmon? I did know that. Okay. Um, I don't, I, and I liked Koch. I saw Koch on TV when I was a kid, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. me too. Now I bring up this next one not because I know who this guy is or have any idea, but this movie was such a punchline for me throughout junior high school and high school. Uh, a movie by the man Ted Hooker. Uh, he directed a movie <laughs> yeah. called Crucible of Terror. Oh yes, and, I know Crucible of Terror. Yes, and for some reason, I think it was a movie that Alan. Speaking of our yes. friend Alan, watched on TV and then told us about, but or 
somebody in our group watched it and told us about, but called it crookable of terror. They didn't know I the word I believe that crucible. was Alan, Alan right. B. <laughs> and so for the next eight years, we would draw cartoons where Alan was like saying crookable of terror. And every time he said anything that pissed anybody else off, that person would say, whatever, crookable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then, of course, there's Larry Hagman's Beware the Blob, which we've already covered. We've covered, yes. Saul Bass's Phase 4, which we uh, talked oh, about a little, movie, but yeah. we should talk about Then two Then mo- uh, one movie I haven't seen, one movie that I have seen, two women uh, making their one and only directorial um, effort. Uh, Jane Wagner's Moment by Moment, which I, I think I might oh. have seen a couple minutes of in a oh, theater. but yeah. Well, that's I fantastic. To. I mean, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And Joan Rivers' Rabbit Test, which I did see in a theater. I did not see the theater, but I have seen it. Yeah. Uh, Did Jane Wagner, did she not direct uh, The Incredible Shrinking Woman? I don't think so. I can check. Yeah. She was on this list, though. This list has to be right, goddammit. I said on the internet. (laughs) Uh, But now, moment by moment is something very special. Is that available anywhere? Uh, you can find it online pretty easily. Uh, I, we did it. It aired like on. Uh, Wait a minute. You know who directed right. Incredible Shrinking Woman? Oh. And by the way, it was written by Jane Wagner, so that's what right. you're thinking. No, it was directed by the man, the myth, the legend. We also should be paying tribute to Joel Schumacher. Oh my God! <laughs> wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Wow. Uh, a movie that I saw a couple of years ago. I always say a couple of years ago. That covers the last 10 years. I don't remember yeah. when we saw these things, but ever since I've been working at the university, this we showed at the Wisconsin Film Festival not too long ago. Noel Marshall's Roar. Have you seen Roar? Well, yes, I did. I saw it at a midnight screening at the music box. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What, a, what a movie. Another movie we showed at Cinematheque not too long ago. Uh, and I didn't know this was this guy's only movie. Uh, Gerald Cargill. Uh, Angst, the German film Angst. Have you seen this? No, no. It's a serial killer movie. It's awesome. Wow. No, not familiar with it. A movie, you got to catch up with that. A movie that I only ever heard bad things about and don't even know what it's about, but I feel like I would watch it for a podcast. Dustin Hoffman's directorial bid, uh, Quartet. Wow. We haven't thought of that in years and years. No, I've never seen it, but... And a movie I did not know existed. Uh, did you know Michael Keaton directed a movie? No. It's called The Merry Gentleman. From when? I don't know. 90s, I think. Wow. Yeah. No, no idea. There's the Alec Baldwin uh, Devil and Daniel Webster with um, JLH, with Jennifer Love Hewitt as the devil. Um. That didn't come out. It didn't get a theatrical oh. release, but I think it's now on video. Oh, wow. So, you said Daniel Baldwin? No, that's Alec. Alec oh, Alec. Alec. Alec directed. Yeah, okay. Alec directed and starred. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like somebody who'd want to direct movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so there's that. Uh, then there's the <laughs> then, then there's my idea for the Unpopular Opinion podcast, which I guess is maybe... We're doing that all the time anyway. But this is like <laughs> declaring yourself out in the open as like, this is what you think is better. You, you've you always thought this is good and this is bad. And most people think the opposite. Right. All right. And this stems from my uh, sort of thing that happens with me where I tend to like compare movies that for some reason linked in my mind. A lot of times yeah. because they came out around the same time, like, um, um, Terminator 2 and um, uh, Point Break. Like, you know, first of all, they had, they're both, what you know, they're that, they were a couple at the time. Cameron and uh, what's her name? Catherine uh, Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. But they also, I think, were released either the same week or the same month. Same um, summer for sure, yeah. It was really, it was much closer than that. It was like yeah. really, they were both yeah. in theaters at exactly the same time. And I thought... Uh, she's directed a much better movie. She's doing a much better job of directing an action movie than he is. And he's getting all this praise. Uh, you know, Point Break was a bomb when it first came out. Now, of course, it's one yeah, of these yeah. cult movies. I still don't think it's actually a good movie, but it's a well-directed movie. And it's got some great action scenes, including that that's, that foot chase that where they're running through houses. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Raising Arizona, but with like uh, higher stakes, I guess. High stakes, um, yeah. Yeah. 
And I always thought that Terminator 2, the stuff on the highway with those trucks, is deadly boring. I, thought, I always thought that. I always thought it was lousy. Yeah. It's just no good. From from the fucking George Thurgood bad to the bone open. It was like, oh, my God. It's got that one sequence where they're in, like, this abandoned office building or whatever. And there's that elevator and stuff. Mm. where, or, or, like, she's getting she's sneaking out of the asylum. Whatever it is. There's, like, one good, pretty yeah. good suspense sequence in it. But the rest of it is garbage. Um, but anyway, but I was thinking more along the lines of, for me, and I realize this is all Goodfellas related, which I know is... A lot of people's favorite Scorsese movie is a movie I just don't like. And so... Oh, I love it. Yeah. Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie, came out around the same time as Goodfellas. And Goodfellas, everyone was raving about. Miller's Crossing disappeared without a trace. I think Miller's Crossing is a million times better than Goodfellas. And let me say this. I also think Casino is a better movie than Goodfellas. I will watch watch Casino over Goodfellas any day of the week. Thank you. Those are my unpopular I, I, opinions. <laughs> well, I think that's a great premise. I like that a lot. Um, I also think... God knows I could come up with examples, too. And now this one isn't maybe as, like, black and white, because I think that even the movie that yeah. I like is a movie that has received its fair share of praise. But I do remember at the time, again, this was two movies that came out at the same time. One became this big runaway hit that everyone loved and got nominated for awards and all this shit, which I always thought was like, whatever, this is not such a good movie. And another movie, which did relatively poorly at the box office, at least compared to the first movie, that I thought, this is a fucking great movie. And that is... In the Line of Fire versus The Fugitive. Right. Um, Give me In the Line of Fire any day of the week over The Fugitive. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's like forgotten now. Yeah. Crazy. And Crazy. The Fugitive was like cute to me. I just. In the Line just, of Fire was like, it was like unnerving. It was great. It had Malkovich. It was just mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So I love all that. Yeah, the movie and like you know, I'm I'm trying to come up with my own in my head. And uh, the most right. recent ones, of course, would be me screaming that you know, Mother was a movie I love, which I guess Jim Healy. We split on that one, but uh, you know, I, and I was like, so, and I was like, so here it is. So it's like I saw this movie like on a Saturday night at the Multiplex, and this was like like a racer head. Like it hit me that way. And and then fucking Mandy, which is the trauma version of all that, was the one that caught on. So that would be my example. Yeah. And by the way, Jim loves Mandy. Come on now. Oh uh, yeah. We'll have to have him on as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that episode. Mother versus yeah. Mandy. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I think they're both silly. I thought I I saw Mother. I saw Mother at the Alamo Draft House that's in Brooklyn now on Flappish right. Avenue. I went with my yeah. sister Annie. I, I guess because it came out around, must have been some holiday, Christmas maybe. I think that was like four. Was it a Christmas of, movie? Uh, oh, maybe I was there for like yeah. Rosh Hashanah or something. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was. I think it's very watchable, like interesting, but really stupid. I thought it was stupid. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we we split on that one. No, that to but me think, felt like it. It leapt off the screen and, and grabbed me and pulled me in. But I think because I think that religion has more of a uh, holds more of an interest to you and like yes. films that want to deal with that. Whereas for me, yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I liked it more. Yeah. I forget what that is. That's a movie that I thought was about one thing. And then as it finally wrapped up, I realized, oh, it's not really about that. Um, and maybe I did think maybe I was in favor of it being about religion. And then it seemed like, no, it's about like um how an artist destroys everything in their in their path to make art. Which which one, which do you think that movie is? <laughs> well, I think it's God as the artist. Uh, oh, okay. So it's uh, both. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. You know, it's God and Mother Nature, and uh, the Adam and Eve figures come in, and then Kristen Wiig, who's amazing, is the church. Right. And she walks around at one point shooting people in the back of the head with a shotgun. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's a movie, and I think I remember you writing about it after I had seen yeah. it and thinking, like, he's making this sound more shocking than it actually plays right. when you're watching it, for me, anyway. Um, right. But I also have never revisited I should watch Mother again. Yeah, let's point. do it. We'll do a Mother versus Mandy. We'll have Jim Healy <laughs> okay, on. That would be great. That yeah. would be fantastic. Mother versus I mean, Mandy, Mandy is indefensible to me. I, I don't understand. You're going to do indefensible. Oh, you're saying it's indefensible, it, yeah. Indefensible. Mandy and Fury Road. I mean, it's just... 
Well, I, I love, and, and, you know, I think that you have a lot of great unpopular opinions, at least of what yeah, I've yeah. seen of you on social media. I love your sort of dismissal of the modern day Nicolas Cage. Um, it's, which, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not even modern, man. It's like fucking Vampire's Kiss. It started right. with. Well, I think it. I think it started with Peggy Sue got married. Peggy which, Sue got married. Yeah. But I watch that now, and I'm like, this is really funny. And okay, he's doing, yeah. you know. But at the time, I was like, what the fuck is this asshole doing? Because I was, you know, I was totally into Nicolas Cage with Valley Girl and with Birdie. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he started doing this shit, and I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. And I like Vampire's Kiss. I saw that. I say, again, I say, like, I saw that recently. 18 years ago, I watched it on yeah. DVD. And I was like, oh, this holds up pretty good. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't see it in a the theater. I saw it on, like, VHS or DVD. I saw, like, a full-frame version of it. And I thought, I don't even, I can't even watch this thing. But I did, I saw it, I did see it a couple years ago. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. Yeah. This movie is, is crazy in, like, a, in, like, a fun way. Is it weird that Birdie had just disappeared? I saw that it's on Prime now or on Netflix, and I thought, oh, I should watch this. There's a movie I probably saw three or four times when it came out and haven't yeah. thought about it since. Like, I'm, I'm kind of afraid yeah. to watch it because I think I'm going to hate it. <laughs> right, right. I get that way. I'm not going back. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Cage did do... I do love Con Air, although I, I think he's kind of stupid in it. But I like I love right. that movie. Um, I love the uh, the bad lieutenant, the Herzog bad lieutenant. I thought was great, huh? And a perfect use of him. Yeah. And there's a movie that came out a couple years ago <laughs> where where the, yeah. where parents want to kill their kids. Mom and dad. Yeah. I thought that was all right. I never watched it because oh, to good. me that just sounded like the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah, he's not doing his full on shtick in that movie. I mean, I, what does interest me is that um, uh, Armin White, you know, the famous uh, yes. contrarian yes. critic, lo- that was his movie of the year, like maybe of the decade. Yeah, you should Mom watch it. Dad. It's yeah. good. I will. Yeah. Although it is a horror movie, and I know you're you're out of you're yeah, over that. But no, I will watch that then. All right, um, we've got some listener feedback. None of all which right. is all Lay that me, crucial, but I think we can wrap up our our mini episode with some listener feedback um oh and this i did want to clear this up I, I can't remember if we ever said this on the air or not but adam karsten wanted to point out that we had we, one of the movies that i was reading was the new york times the same day that somebody i think maybe i think maybe when what's up doc opened was a movie called outback which we said we didn't know what it was but it's also yeah it's wake and fright which i have seen and right. do know as wake and fright have you seen that movie no, I've been afraid to watch that. It's good. Because of the kangaroo scene, right? Isn't there the kangaroo hunt in that yes, movie? Yes, there is. That's true. And you can, yeah. But the whole movie is but disturbing. I should watch it because, I mean, I love all those Australian movies. It's really great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And um, I will watch it, yeah. And then he started talking to um, somebody else, Maurice Burstinsky. You know him? Yes. Yeah, he's uh, the host of um, the See Here podcast and oh, uh, love okay. that album oh, from Australia great. that I was just recently on talking about Sparks. Oh, perfect. Okay, so but he talks about another movie, uh, another Australian film made a year after Wake and Fright, and it was called Sunstruck and was a family-friendly version of the same concept, which I don't even understand how that's possible because the whole concept of Wake and Fright is non-family friendly. So, well, we should watch. That would be another good mini episode. Yeah, let's do like that. You tell us what to watch. We'll yeah. do a double feature. Then. Yeah. And I should say, Adam Carson is a friend of mine here in Chicago. Um, he is the director or co-director of the Mr. Kelly's documentary that's in production. Oh, about excellent! The famous nightclub. Excellent. And it's completely awesome. And uh, he also runs. Uh, Facebook group, group called Windy City Ballyhoo, which is old uh, newspaper ads for movies and, ah, and comedians and stuff. Fantastic. Carson is an ace gentleman. Okay, good. Well, then we should, yeah, we should do those two. Uh, oh, and speaking of, um, Aunt Timpson. Yes. Oh, gave us a really hard underground time. Underground cinema royalty. He yeah. he said he was shocked that we hadn't seen Vigilante Force um, when we were talking about Convoy. 
And I am too because I love that George Armitage. I love all his movies, and somehow I didn't. I haven't seen Vigilante Force, although I did come across it on YouTube a couple weeks ago and meant to watch it. Watch the first, just watch the opening credits, and I was like, oh my god, this movie looks fantastic. Um, Jim Healy says it's not that great, but I'm gonna watch it anyway. Um, so, but he, but he said. Um, uh, shocked you guys haven't seen Vigilante Force, but it makes sense when you don't even mention White Line Fever. What the fuck is up with that? <laughs> um, and I said, um, yeah, we suck, but I definitely want to do Damnation Alley because we were talking about Jan Michael Vincent at that point, I suppose. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm all into, we should do a Damnation Alley episode. For sure. Certainly yeah. a movie I saw yeah. in theaters. Did you see that in, in theaters? Were you no, I saw it on oh, TV. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and Ant when I when I said we could do Damnation Alley, he said it's a film that he preferred to see over Star Wars at the time. So there you go. Good for you, Ant. Good. And if we didn't mention White Line Fever, that was uh, that was just an oversight because I I, I I had that in my notes. I mean, I, I think maybe we just didn't mention. Or maybe we did, and I don't know. maybe I'm rereading. Yeah. It. Um, no, no, I remember that's that is what he said. He's in New Zealand. Adam says, after watching Convoy this week, I appreciate Smokey the Bandit in ways I never thought I would. Right on. Um, And here's something about Wemeco Home Theater. Mark Nelson says, as a kid, I used to get WHT and HTH confused. One was a cable channel, the other a pool cleaner. So there you go. (laughs) Oh, I remember HTH, yeah. Yeah. um, Mark Nelson's a good man up in Westchester. Yes, and and I guess we talked about Jaws two, perhaps as it seems like as part of our convoy episode. And Warren, same summer. Warren Sykes yeah. says, "I really have to concur with your hate for Jaws two, which always struck me as the kind of dour, draggy '70s monster movie that people probably thought the first Jaws was going to be." I love Convoy though. Okay, well, I disagree about both those things, Warren. But uh, that's cool. That's all right. <laughs> I met Warren Sykes uh, down in uh, St. Louis when I was doing a uh, lecture at a library last year, and he was an- another fine fellow. Good, 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 Warren. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your opinions. Um, uh, Derek Davidson said I had WHT in Brooklyn. I thought it was great. Lots of great movies. Now here, well, I'm going backwards through time. Now this is our Benji episode. Aunt Timpson. Uh, now I don't want to stroke our egos too much, but here's what he says about us. You both have hit your stride on this third episode. It was seamless, G-rated entertainment throughout. Laughed many times at throwaways by you both. Crazily, there seemed to be more right. more love for this darn pooch than any other actor mentioned in any previous podcast you've both been involved with. <laughs> Surely Benji is the king of all media. I don't want to inflate those egos of yours anymore, but this could be a perfect podcast. Bring on Homps. All right. All right. Thanks, Ant. Thank you, Ant. We'll do it. You, uh, you, have, you have inflated our egos. Absolutely. And then Matthew Moss. Do you know Matthew Moss? I don't know him personally. He, no. he seems to be friends with Ant Timpson. And he also says, beautiful Benji, beautiful episode. You guys mentioned the double MacGuffin during the show. Please, if you can do this at some stage, it's surprisingly good. And like Benji, shows Camp was a great filmmaker. So, yeah, we should. Uh, I, I need to track down double MacGuffin. Yeah. I need to see that. That's on Prime, I think. Oh, oh is double it? Double MacGuffin. Oh, hello. I think All so. Right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, and then I heard, I heard, pri- right. you know, this guy, Christopher Anthony William Bly, is he related to our friend John Bly? I do. He is not, oh, okay. but he he's in Brooklyn. Yeah, he... I met him uh, last summer after I did uh, Valley Girl, oh no, Last American Virgin at the Brooklyn uh, Alamo, and I thought he was my brother's friend, Nolan, so I signed his book. Hey, Nolan, thanks for coming. So. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a, a collector's item. Um, yeah. he, uh, he, t- he told me on Facebook messenger, told me a story about meeting Hal Needham at a, at a book signing, um, and Hal Needham looking at, looking at him and thinking he looked so much like Dom DeLuise that he wished he'd known him back in the, um, uh, well, what does he say? Bah, 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 bah. Oh, son. I, he said, son, I wish I had a time machine to transport you and I back a little more than 20 years ago. And then. Chris, 
Christopher says, why is that? He said, because you could have doubled Dom and with triple exclamation points. <laughs> so that's great to have Hal Needham mistake you for like a, a Dom, Dom yeah. look alike. That, that is a special honor. That's great. And then your former apartment mate, Ben Levitt. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Said that the Nostrin showed the Disney movies in the summer and what and... Uh, so that was a that was one of those theaters that would like give itself over to Disney in the summer times. Yeah, and that also he wound up seeing um, Under the Rainbow there at an advanced screening of all things hmm. at the Nostrand. Well, maybe wow. I, maybe I'm reading that wrong. Maybe it wasn't the Nostrand where he saw Under oh. the Rainbow, but he did see a sneak preview of Under the Rainbow. Um, and my annoying sister still calls me Benji after all these years. Well. That's too bad. I know, you know, I was never bothered by that. I was happy to be associated. Oh, it's a lovely Benji. Yeah. Uh, he also says Texasville really sucked. Uh, <laughs> I guess he must. I guess we must have been moving on to Bogdanovich at that point. Um, yeah. Oh, and he says he thinks he talked Alan Broadman into seeing the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, Ufa. Little did I know that the actress playing Zuzu Petals would have twins going to the same school as my younger son. There you go. So oh, how about that? With great, who is the actress who plays Zuzu Petals in Fort She's, um, I can't think of her name, but she was a popular, like, uh, teenage character actress in the 80s. Hmm. Um, and I can't, yeah, and oh, I can't, she was in the movie Seven Minutes in Heaven. She's a blonde girl with freckles, and uh, I can't think of her name. But she's in your book for sure. For sure, yes, yeah. Your your teen sex comedies book. Yes, yeah, so bad. She was also on the Molly Ringwald sitcom Townies. Ah. I think it was like ninety four or something. Yeah. Well, listeners, that's it for us this week with our mini episode, which I think is twice as long as our regular yeah, episodes. Yeah, and just to say, you, you guys missed our first half hour, which Mike. Accidentally didn't record <laughs> where we really went into some hairy, heavy psychodrama. Um, we did, yeah. but this I think was nice, and really, this is just a way to stay connected yeah. with you on day on weeks that we're giving ourselves a little bit of a yeah. break and not forcing ourselves to watch even more movies than we already have to for our other podcasts and our other yeah. lines of work. I mean, Mike's got a ton of things going, and uh, I guess I do too. Uh, but uh, you do too. Yeah. We enjoy spending time together and enjoy the idea of you listening to us uh, jibber jabber. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Yeah, and we'll see. And now we have a bunch of new movies to watch. So yeah, and um, if things work out, we're going to have a special guest, and we are going to do a special tribute to uh, a man who just passed, Mr. Carl Reiner. Yeah. We are uh, we are on target for next week's seventy movies we saw in the seventies to cover both Where's Papa, uh, which is from nineteen seventy or seventy one, seventy one, and uh, yeah, early, the Jerk early. from nineteen seventy nine. So it's Carl Reiner bookending the decade uh, that's in our title. So yeah. there you go with our guest. Uh... If you've gotten sick of our Brooklyn accents, prepare yourself for uh, Southern England's Cat Ellinger will be joining us. I feel week. like you and I should do the podcast with with uh, British accents, and she should do. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We're gonna have to pull that switcheroo at some point. Hello, blimey! <laughs> I can I can. Turn well, this it. was fantastic. This was the best. This was really one of the greatest things of all time. Uh, I need to start watching some Ernest, and I need to catch up with the Medea movies that you've seen. What's your uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on the Medea films that you've seen? I I found each of them hilarious. Uh, you know, I mean, part of the hilarity was that we were just watching them. So, <laughs> right. yeah. now, now, now my friend Scott and I like we would go to see. Um, like all those one one night only Christian movies, like the Kurt Cameron movies and stuff. That was, and and Medea kind of just fit that pattern. Yeah. And then, uh, but we really started dying over the boo of Medea Halloween. So I've seen one. I I've seen at least one Tyler Perry movie, but it wasn't. If Medea was in it, she was only in it briefly, and I actually don't think right. she was in it at all. Uh, it was one of his more serious dramas, I guess. Well, you you know they're really like saucy the Medea movies, yeah. They're full of like foul language and n bombs and 
constant talk about like like Medea being a prostitute and a stripper. And oh stuff. wow! Um, yeah. I liked, and I also I liked Tyler Perry in that um, David Fincher movie. That um, was that shit with Ben Affleck. Um, I don't know. Uh, Gone Girl. Tyler Perry is in Gone Girl. Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. He is good, but I hear terrible things about the the movie that he did with that same character that Morgan Freeman had done. That Alex Cross. Yeah, yeah. Alex Cross. Have you seen that one? Never saw. Oh yeah. No, no. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do an episode of Tyler yeah. Tyler Perry Deep and other dive. people's movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, my friend. We'll have right. a wonderful On that 4th note, of July. This is great. Yeah, and... You too. Be in touch. All right. Mazel. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Mazel. Bye. Bye. Bye.